Hello, this is HashMap on Tap. I am your host, Randy Pitcher. Today, I am excited to welcome Ivan Alvarez to the show. Ivan is the Vice President of Big Data and Enterprise Analytics at NCR Corporation. Ivan, welcome to the show. What are you drinking this morning? I'm drinking coffee, and uh, thank you for inviting me today. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of coffee are you having? Well, uh, you know, I was uh, born and raised in uh, Colombia, South America. So my uh, preferred coffee, obviously, is uh, the one that is uh, from Colombia. Uh, okay. I like it because it's mild and it is roasted just uh, at the perfect point. Okay. And how do you take your coffee? Do you put cream and sugar or you take it black? I do both. Um, okay. It depends on what time of the day. Early in the morning is black. But uh, at mid-morning, I will take it with uh, cream. Okay, I like that. And then, so Colombia, did you ever get to visit any of the, like, the coffee farms in Colombia? Absolutely, many times. It's a hot spot from a vacation point of view nowadays. Uh, you know, uh, it's becoming a big industry uh, for the country. Man, I, I have really always wanted to go and visit one of those coffee farms and like just see the, the kind of beans uh, as they grow and then through the whole process and then have a fresh cup of coffee at the end. That would be fantastic. It is really fun. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, very unique. Uh, it is worthwhile. Awesome. Well, today, uh, I think a lot of fans know this. I'm drinking an Americano, so just some espresso and water. Uh, and I'm using my tried and true um, Trader Joe's dark roast, which after uh, some of the lighter roasts I've been doing lately, it's coming off a little harsh. I always thought I was a dark roast guy, but now I think I might be a medium roast kind of person. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know that. Uh, that's what I mentioned before. You know, how much roast is the coffee is super key in terms of what is the flavor and in, in how mild uh, and the aroma as well. So aroma is very key for us in Colombia. And the aroma is uh, very dependent and interrelated to how much it is roasted. Yeah, so man, I, so what I need to do next, get a roaster and then roast the beans here from Colombia and fill the whole house with that, that smell. <laughs> yeah. Well, so getting into the show a little bit, uh, Ivan, can you tell me about your background, just a quick overview and maybe tell us what NCR is for people who aren't familiar? Uh, sure. Uh, well, uh, first of all, I'm a computer science and software engineer by trade. Um, I uh, went to school um, some time ago, and then uh, when I moved to the United States with one of my uh, companies, a Goodyear Titan Rover company at that point, uh, and then to NCR, I took uh, a break and I went and uh, did my uh, master's in uh, Business in administration uh, up in Chicago at Notre Dame. Oh, great! And how did you like Chicago? It's great. It's great. It's a it's a it's a great place. Variety of the population, uh, yeah. diverse. And uh, the second thing is uh, gastronomy in Chicago is pretty high as well. Oh yeah. So you asked me about NCR. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about NCR. NCR is uh, uh, the enterprise that provides uh, technology and services to banks, uh, retailers, and hospitality customers, meaning uh, restaurants and uh, small businesses as well. Uh, we're the number one. Uh, you can think about NCR as uh, almost as the uh, ERP. Uh, 
single vendor for these uh, big enterprises. When you go to a restaurant, uh, all the restaurant operation typically is run by our software. Uh, mm -hmm. The sale, the menu, the kitchen, uh, the cooks, uh, all of them are basically interconnected and interrelated to our systems. But it's the same thing on, our, on, on the retail uh, branches uh, for banks as well. You know, you go to a bank and uh, what's going on right now is uh, the, the whole banking process has been, it's been going through a, a redesign. And uh, what is going on right now is they're saying that the banks are saying originally they thought ATM was a way to provide additional services to customers. Well, today what they're thinking is uh, as they look for uh, doing less branches, they're thinking they're eliminating or they are thinking they're going to basically resign the branches in such a way that more services are going to on the ATM rather than at the branch itself. And it does make sense, right? With uh, our technology, uh, which is the interactive teller, where you do um, drive through, basically you get through and uh, you get to talk to somebody if you need to, yeah. uh, if you need special assistance. Uh, but you basically get to interact with the bank via the, the teller, the automated teller machine. And if you need to talk to somebody, you actually can basically select that option. And that is going to connect you to an agent. And guess what? During this time, during the pandemic, that agent is not necessarily in the branch. That agent is sitting somewhere in uh, their, their homes, right? And working with you as a customer helping you with whatever uh, you need. So again, think about uh, NCR as the backbone of the operations uh, for bank branch offices and for restaurants and, and also for the big retailers as well, right? So when you go today to a big retailer and you're doing your self-checkout, uh, you most probably are using our NCR software and hardware uh, and if you're doing touchless, you're using our solutions. <laughs> okay, so that's something that's been uh, interesting to me are these technologies or companies that are just behind the scenes of our everyday life. So without realizing it, people are interacting with NCR technology and services throughout their whole day. Uh, what is it that first attracted you to working for a company like this? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, as I mentioned to you, um, I'm a uh, computer science and software engineer by trade. And uh, when I work in the uh, consumer industry for a long time, uh, more than 15 years, um, I always wanted to go to the tech sector. And uh, when NCR uh, knocked on my door and uh, they showed me what they were doing at that point, which I was already familiar with because I was implementing uh, the Teradata system okay. uh, at Goodyear. Uh, so I got to know them really well. And I said, this is definitely going to be a super cool change in my career, and, and rightly so. Uh, I got into NCR. I got exposed to a much more technology than what I ever was. Uh, and uh, guess what? I started uh, to drill more into data sciences and, and the whole topic of big data, uh, just because I was doing that at NCR. And I was at that point responsible for the strategy for NCR for technology. And so we did a big, big, big amount of, I'll say, efforts in relationship to, uh, I'll say, showcasing uh, 
the big data sciences using that, that technology that was the NCR's technology. Yeah, okay, so a lot of opportunity to work on impactful problems that aren't necessarily the easiest in the world, right? You probably have to handle all kinds of challenges that come with this kind of size, scale, and uh, scope. Uh, what are the kind of things you and your team work to solve? What are the kind of things that you're really focusing on solving? Uh, great question. Um, you know, basically, uh, to summarize it nowadays, in my role for NCR, uh, we focus on uh, two things. I'll say, uh, first and foremost, is to describe why things are happening, uh, why we have, I'll say, the results in, in the events that uh, happen every day, which is what we call the scripted analytics. Uh, the second one is really focus on how to predict, how to um, be more proactive and prescriptive about uh, those events, meaning not only predicting, but also giving a specific direction and instructions to, to uh, a, a degree uh, to the people in terms of how to react to some specific events and some specific uh, situations. I'm going to give you an example because I think it comes to fruition uh, through an example. When, when we have our, uh, our relationship with our customers, our sales force is interacting with our customers, we typically, uh, as you know, we are a B2B company and uh, our sales force do interact with them in terms of configurations for uh, a restaurant or configurations for a bank branch office. Uh, or configurations for a self-checkout. And there are multitude, multitude options uh, that uh, you can pick and choose depending on what is your strategy for customer interaction through our technologies. And so to that extent, uh, our uh, configuration systems are pretty sophisticated, uh, as you can imagine, because it depends on the size of the, of the, of the place, it depends on the volume of uh, customers, it depends on what kind of strategy you want to push in terms of payments and so on and so forth. Uh, and so to that extent, the, the, pricing the, the pricing for those configurations is super critical. Um, we do have very specific predictive pricing analytics uh, that uh, we developed over the last uh, year, year and a half. And uh, is an is an online system. We do a lot of backend processing uh, in in a matter of milliseconds, and we need to be prepared to provide a specific guidance to the people that are actually talking to customers, right? And uh, be able to pop up on the screens of the uh, user interface that they are that they're, they're managing with specific recommendations, and also that applies to our online in interaction, right? Because we have both. We have you know, human interaction and we also have online interaction. So those are the kind of things that uh, I'll say um, are very real and very tangible. And, and not only that, but uh, after this happens in uh, the incentives that are provided to the people that took one or another direction from our predictive systems, uh, need to have a high degree of explainability. Okay. Uh, you know, because um, this is this is a big topic. This is uh, how we compensate uh, people. And so 
this this explainability needs to be uh, good enough so that they understand uh, what was the uh, relationship between what they did and what they finally got. See, that I think is a space that's overlooked in a lot of the, the modeling area is that you can have a model that's really accurate, but if people don't understand why or how it's making its decisions, it's hard to trust. And without that trust, people may not make decisions based off your hard work. And then it's like you didn't even do it. You might as well not have done it because there's no business value. How do you and your team think about understanding the users that you're working with and understanding their needs and getting that feedback for a company that has stakeholders at lots of different organizations, both internally and externally? I, I think in my, uh, my view as a leader for technology specifically in the data sciences space is uh, to always be in listening mode. Um, okay. The ability to have empathy with the stakeholders, with the people that are using the data is very key. The ability to uh, understand what are the issues and concerns that they do have is, in my opinion, actually the starting point for a lot of the innovation that you can do with data uh, within the enterprise. So I think that is uh, number one. And uh, th that was a key tenant uh, since I became the leader for data uh, here at, at NCR, uh, was to really uh, foster the conversations with the stakeholders. And, and those conversations, by the way, need to happen at different levels. You, your dialogue with an executive uh, of, the, uh, of the enterprise is totally different than your dialogue with a business analyst or with a data scientist that sits in the business areas, right? Um, the, obviously, the, the, the degree of uh, granularity that you need to use and uh, the approach that you need to use in order to be successful in creating that partnership is, is very different. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's a critical component of delivering solutions in this analytics space. But the other side of the coin, especially for the needs you've described, is the technology, right? If you don't have the technology, even if you understand your users really well, you might not be able to deliver what they need. So NCR, you've made some really significant investments in a hybrid cloud solution, which I think is interesting because I see a lot of people who start in the cloud or a lot of people who decide to stay on-prem. Could you walk us through that process of deciding that a, a split is a right fit for your uh, needs? And tell me what it was like to take the first steps into the cloud. Yeah, honestly, uh, this was driven by our customers. Uh, okay. As I mentioned before, we have big, big customers. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to mention the specific one that, uh, in my opinion, was the uh, catalyst for what we've done in terms of uh, cloud and uh, having a hybrid infrastructure for data science, uh, for data management, um, which is uh, a customer that has uh, probably around, uh, I believe, probably 4.5 to 5 million uh, endpoints. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, we are responsible for running the software and making sure those, those endpoints are up and running. But it's not just that, right? It's making sure that they are protected the right way, uh, meaning they have the right software version, uh, making sure that they are operating under the expected uh, performance. And in order to do that, 
um, in in the uh, the commitment the commitment that we had uh, to implement our IoT solution, which is called um, a DCS in the marketplace, is is very well known. Um, we we needed we basically had to uh, scale up uh, really really fast, and uh, the right way to do that was to really going into cloud. Um, and so that's basically that. That was the catalyst. Um, okay. I think it was the right decision. Um, it, it has demonstrated that uh, provides the ability, not, not just the ability to scale up, but a scale down as well. Uh, and it also provides the uh, flexibility in terms of picking and choosing different platforms in a, in a, in a much compressed time frame. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a common uh, attractive point of the cloud. Are there things during your adoption uh, process that stood out as being particularly surprising about the cloud that you didn't expect or things that you were maybe not as excited about uh, finding out? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think that the, the whole topic of data infrastructure is something that is still um, in, uh, in, in development, right? So my my view is that uh we are at a uh, at an inflection point where we have a tremendous amount of capital uh investments going into this uh technology area and so as we all know as we all professionals in, in data sciences know there are a multitude of uh, startups and uh, what's interesting about the cloud players is that they are actually embracing these big time uh, so you go to cloud and uh, you can see that they do not only offer their own cloud infrastructure for data management, but they also are very open in terms of bringing in the, all, these, all these different emerging technologies because they recognize that they are great in innovators in the marketplace. And so for me, uh, I'll say the downside is that um, is uh, is is quite complex to make choices and 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 have decisions in terms of how who you are gonna go with for the long term. Um, the goodness on the other side is that you're on cloud and you have the flexibility to basically stand down your platform um, and 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 make a change. Um, I think the second item that I want to mention here is. Uh, is more of a concern, which is the ability to be uh, multi, truly multi-cloud in the future. Um, if, if, if you think about the, the future, uh, our ideal state in data sciences will be to accomplish that state where we can easily migrate from one cloud to another cloud, or uh, even more so to mix and match different, uh, I'll say, uh, functions and, and, and enablers from different clouds all together. Now, uh, we all know that uh, there are uh, physical restrictions that play in this whole thing, but um, th that's another interesting thing of cloud, which is now cloud providers are helping each other in uh, doing interconnectivity between their clouds. And there are some interesting, uh, uh, I'll say, advancements being made in, in, in that particular topic. Okay, no, that's great. And, and I think it gives us a good picture of 
how you're thinking about the cloud and on-premise kind of collaborations, how you got to this point. If we look forward about what's coming up for you and your team, are there any specific areas or technologies that you guys are really excited about, really passionate about? Yeah, I would say uh, th there are many technologies, but uh, uh, in, a, in, in, in a summarized way, I think there is two things that are very exciting for us. Number one, we really want to double dip into everything that is related to machine learning and artificial intelligence. We see a big opportunity going forward in many different, uh, say, areas of the corporation. I'm responsible for everything that is inside the four walls of the corporation, but also to enable uh, the products that we uh, take to market to some extent, uh, like the one that I mentioned before, DCS, uh, which is Digital Connected Services. I forgot to mention what is the acronym. <laughs> uh, uh, for, so Digital Connected Services, which is basically the IoT product that we have. And so, uh, there is a big deal of uh, predictive opportunities in relationship to um, uh, hardware failures, software failures as well uh, on that space. Uh, internally, obviously in the manufacturing area, we have a big deal of uh, opportunities with, um, with supply chain optimization using oh, machine cool. learning, yeah, and yeah. uh, even uh, deep learning as well uh, in terms of supply chain management. So we're exploring those those areas as well at this point. Um, we have very specific programs that uh, we have uh, already approved for this year for execution this year. And we normally have like uh, we have a deck of approved programs and also a deck of what I call research and development. So uh, we have both. And so I think to that extent, uh, NCR is being really, really good in terms of, uh, I'll say, recognizing that we need to develop and, and assign resources to those two things. So that's one area. Um, I think uh, from a process perspective, the second one that is very exciting for us is the concept, concept of uh, data in analytics self-services. Okay. Very key for us. You know, NCR is, uh, is a company that has been around for a long time, 130 years, uh, providing services and products for many industries. Uh, and the data that we generate is quite big. Uh, think about, you know, the total number of endpoints that we have. Uh, it's about 20 million, you know, if we count all of them. And so there is a lot of data related to those endpoints. Um, and so to that extent, um, I'll say the analytics uh, that that we need to do are quite complex uh, from a product, in, in, from a from installed product point of view, but also from an internal operations perspective. And uh, our view, and in my particular uh, learning over the years in in data sciences, is that you need to be able to uh, scale. Uh, in terms of uh, analytics, both for predictive and for descriptive. And the only way to do that is to really uh, push forward to enable your users so that they can be self-sufficient. Um, easy to say, hard to achieve. Uh, <laughs> you know, because we come from a, from a culture where data has been either fully centralized or fully decentralized. And so, 
in order for you to achieve what I just mentioned, you really need to have a federated view of how to manage data. You need to have uh, some things that are centralized, like your data catalog, your data dictionary, uh, to a great extent needs to be comprehensive. You need to have a, 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 the a capability to enable your users to really understand where the data is, uh, what is the, uh, say, where the data is coming from, meaning the data lineage associated with the data, and also what are the characteristics of that data in terms of quality. Uh, you know, how much complete uh, is the data, how much uh, accurate is the data, and how, much, how, how is the synchronicity of the data with uh, the transaction processing systems. So this is the second area for us, uh, which is self-services, which is a big thing, big, big, big effort and uh, a big area of emphasis for us going forward. Okay, that's perfect. And, and I got to imagine, I was thinking of two things with the spaces you've covered there. Uh, the first is when you have that many endpoints, 20 million you're talking about, you must have to worry about fraud at some point. That, that can't be a, a maybe case. That's probably an eventually someone will try to do something uh, that they shouldn't be doing. Is that something that you think about or you work on at all? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, you know, nowadays uh, fraud in um, privacy as well. Okay. There is a big deal of uh, care on our side because, you know, our customers really trust us for, for doing what we do for them. And so we need to uh, invest a, a big deal of, uh, I'll say, efforts in relationship to making sure that the data is secured, uh, that uh, we follow privacy standards as well. And uh, from, uh, from my perspective, I always find that uh, partnering with uh, our uh, key organizations within NCR in order to accomplish this is, is really important. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do this, you know, by ourselves. So our integration with the Chief Information uh, Security Officer um, in, in that organization is super key. Uh, making sure that we have clarity in terms of what are the standards that we need to follow and, and how to implement technologies that enable us to actually execute on those standards. That's one item. The second item, and I would say, is, is actually the first, the first one, the most important one, is education and creation mm -hmm. of awareness. Nobody comes to the office thinking that uh, uh, the person is gonna do something that is not correct in terms of data privacy, or data security. No, nobody really wants wants that, right? At least not um, the common the common uh, people. Um, and so, you know, creating the right uh, education framework and, and the right awareness is the starting point uh, because that basically empowers people to make decisions, to make the right decisions, and to actually be the catchers of potential issues down 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 the road. And so that's how we we work internally with our key stakeholders on the on the security office. Um, also, I'll say that the the work is not just with our internal security office, but also with uh, our customers' security officers as well. So oh, yeah. we have we have a big deal of interaction with them as well. So uh, it's it's really I'll say 
uh, an effort that needs to take place among all players in the ecosystem. I, I think working in consulting, I've been able to work with a number of really large companies across the spectrum of tech to even like retail physical stores. And one thing that always surprises me is how much criminal activity actually is ongoing right? Not internally necessarily, but like someone comes and steals something off the shelf. And part of a retailer's data process is doing loss prevention or for financial services, identifying fraud or working for different government agencies that they will have people fraudulently submit claims, uh, insurance, those kind of things. So thinking about the kind of person who gets to work and be kind of a detective with the data and find where there've been security events or opportunities for vulnerabilities to exist, uh, that's always seemed really cool to me. That that'd be a, kind of a cool hat to wear, right? To be like a, a detective of the data. That's really fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. So last question here uh, for the first part: If you could achieve one thing in the next six months, and I know it's kind of a weird time for the world right now, but at work, if you could achieve one thing, prioritize one thing, what would uh, be the problem that you choose to focus on? I think it's what I mentioned before: is the concept of self services. Okay. Data analytics, self services. Um, and there, there are many things that go with that, right? So I mentioned uh, the ability to identify what the data, uh, where the data is, uh, how the data was um, uh, produced, but also uh, the ability to actually execute uh, within uh, a reasonable time frame, meaning the ability to actually get the data, the actual data, uh, play with the data, um, and, and have a platform, have uh, the ability and, and the access to platforms that allow you to develop what you're looking for. I mentioned basically the machine learning topic, right? So a platform that allows you to experiment with data, if you are a data scientist okay. to, or, or an advanced data analyst, to experiment with the data, to do data clustering, to do data uh, relationships to uh, find new features, to develop new features, uh, to do data wrangling, uh, data preparation, and all that. That is super critical for for the for for this for this population, which is what I call data scientists or uh, advanced business analysts. And and to that extent, the value for the corporation, the value for the for the uh, enterprise, comes from them being very productive from them being able to actually find those insights. Yeah. So I think that is uh, number one uh, in, in, uh, in, in the focus in the, in the short term. We're, we're making a big push on that. I mentioned uh, being able to execute. So being able to execute is also being able to actually uh, produce results in a reasonable uh, time. And, and being able to produce results in a reasonable time is not only a matter of having the right tools, but those tools being able to execute uh, efficiently. And I'm, I'm talking about response time, right? I'm talking about being able to go and access the data, uh, produce the joins, uh, do emerges, do whatever you need to do, data preparation, data cleansing, um, and, and the, the uh, feature engineering. In, in a reasonable amount of time. In order to have that, you need to have the right infrastructure. And that's where cloud uh, plays a big role, uh, in my opinion. The second aspect in, in the short term for us is the concept of data virtualization. Uh, okay. it, it's really, uh, as, as we know, in the old world, 
you, you're kind of constrained with your data. If your data is in a particular infrastructure, you, you, it's, it's difficult for you to mix and match the data that is in a different infrastructure. So for us, the concept of virtualized data is very key and, and we're making good progress there. Uh, so far it's working well for us, uh, the technologies that uh, we're using and we're very happy with it. So I think it is uh, going the right way. Uh, I think it is from a, from a, from a data technologies, data sciences technologies point of view, this is going to be something that is going to stay with us for quite a long time. And uh, we will, we definitely are already getting the value that we expected from it. Okay, perfect. Well, Ivan, we're, we're at about the halfway point. How's that coffee? Well, let me take a sip. Yeah, doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Pretty good. Okay, I have finished mine, of course. Uh, I usually do in the first half. Uh, I'm a two coffee kind of guy. So I, I probably should have had a second one back up here waiting for me. Uh, hey, so you, you mentioned Chicago. I'm from the area of Chicago, um, originally in Indiana, so on the other side of the state border, but we would visit Chicago pretty regularly. And it's a common um, thing in Chicago that people feel very passionately about the style of pizza in Chicago. And I don't know, during your time there, did you, did you ever hear any of that? Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's Chicago pie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So are you a deep dish kind of guy, or do you like a thinner crust? I'm more on the thin, thin, thin crust. Yes, uh, more in the Sicilian style. Okay, Sicilian. I like that. I haven't heard that. I uh, I agree with you. I always thought deep dish pizza it tasted like eating um, just like a bunch of bread, like a loaf of bread, right? Uh, and I don't understand people. I know I know a lot of people like it, but that's not my style. Yeah, yeah. I I'm a pizza lover. Uh, oh really? I yeah, I I don't do it as much as. Uh, as uh, I would like to, but I am a pizza lover. Uh, it's a good thing. I like it. Yeah, my first uh, my first jobs were in the pizza industry, of course. So uh, before I could drive, I would make the pizzas. And then when I got my license and I was able to deliver, I delivered the pizzas. And that was such a calming period of time when all you had to do was just drive. And just all night, you drive, pick up a pizza, go drop it off somewhere, come back, uh, listen to a lot of audio books or a lot of music. Um, yeah, that's a nice way. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be a pizza delivery driver again, but uh, I wouldn't mind something very calming like that. It reminds me uh, in, uh, you know, uh, years ago when I went to college, uh, we used to go to uh, actually pizzerias, pizza restaurants, right? And uh, we used to eat pizza and play, uh, and play electronic games. So, I'm Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. So I'm definitely gonna have to have some pizza tonight. That's what's that's what's for dinner now. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, being hungry. <laughs> so in the second half here, I want to talk more about you, not necessarily just NCR. Uh, and the first question I like to ask people in leader leadership positions is how you think about culture, your team's culture, the way that you behave to instill the culture that you want to get the, the kind of behavior that you're looking for, the outcomes. Uh, you mentioned earlier that empathy is something that you you strive to instill in everyone on your team when talking with stakeholders, and you use that as a, a way to be successful. Are there other parts of your team's culture that you think are really important to your success? And what do you do to instill that culture? Yeah, uh, thank you for the question. I, I think this is one of the key areas uh, in my professional career that I, I do believe uh, are uh, key highlights. 
in, in terms of where where I am uh, today and what uh, I I've been able to achieve. So I think the uh, the, the culture is associated with uh, beliefs and uh, with values. Basically, is is what you really value is what uh, defines your culture. Uh, this has been you know deeply documented by. Uh, many experts in, in this particular topic. And, and I do believe them. I do believe that it really goes uh, down to what are the beliefs and, and what are the values that you have. And, uh, and, and as many of us know, uh, it is very important when you talk about values, it's very important to lead based on values. And, and obviously, if you if you are really uh, leading based on values, you need to exhibit those values. And so leading by example is a big thing in, 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 in my view, uh, being consistent. And uh, for me, uh, as a human, um, it's a big challenge because, you know, sometimes rationally I would say, hey, this is what I believe, this is what, uh, what my value is, and I get questioned. I, I get questioned by my uh, my direct reports. I get questioned by my friends or by my family members, saying, "Well, you you you're saying that, but you're doing this sort of thing." And uh, and it's so great, right? Those kind of conversations are so great uh, from a from a human development point of view. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that uh, the the other topic that is very key from uh, from from a data sciences perspective is um, to work on performance. Uh, you need to really perform for the people that uh, you deliver services, for who you deliver capabilities. And so performance is related to uh, delivery, right? Making sure that you deliver what you are committed, uh, what you commit to. Uh, and what you commit to comes from a, 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 a rich dialogue. Um, we all know that uh, nowadays we, we always have more demand than capacity, right? So yeah. um, having clarity in terms of what you can do and when you can do it uh, in actually delivering what you agree and when you agree to deliver it is very key. Um, I think that that uh, conveys credibility. So credibility is not, is not a value, but credibility is a consequence of exceeding those values and practicing those values. And uh, I think credibility brings, um, it basically expands the dialogue. The next time you are with a person talking about what you deliver and, and what uh, her or his requirements are, uh, and, and you already deliver for that person, your level of credibility goes up and the level of credibility comes with trust. And when there is trust, there is transparency and transparency actually fosters the ability to be more succinct and more sharp in terms of what you really need to do, right? It eliminates noise from the conversation. It allows you to nicely focus on what really matters for your person. And you can really uh, hone into that particular topic and make sure that your energy is around that particular topic and, and carefully craft the solution and deliver the solution. Yeah, so, 
this is this is very key right the sorry for for one more thing um now this is not necessarily related to culture but it's related to uh how to how to achieve a, a high performance team which is part of what i believe is very key in data sciences uh we un unfortunately in data sciences uh, i don't think we always have the credibility that that we we would like to so in order to really be able to deliver the other topic that i uh, the uh, key element that i i would like to bring to your to the attention here is the ability to partner with key stakeholders outside of your enterprise in this case vendors i never made it to big uh, success a uh, big success program without a, 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 a partner without a vendor that was my partner so i'm a true believer in partnerships with vendors this is very key for us i, I was just going to say i really like your emphasis on trust as being kind of uh, a core concept that you need to think about when you're doing some of these exploratory uh technology enterprises explorations when you want to deliver to teams that are maybe not inside your organization or um, teams that are, but they're maybe separate from yours, that earning that trust and keeping that trust is critical to the long-term success. And I think about that a lot as a consultant, because I'm often coming into an environment where uh, we need to build credibility, credibility very quickly uh, to be able to build consensus and have everyone pulling in the same direction so that we can deliver something of value. So I love hearing that you you think about trust and you focus on trust because that's something uh, we do as well at HashMap. Absolutely. You know, I've seen it. And uh, I think uh, HashMap, uh, for me, has demonstrated that uh, it's willing to take risk as well, uh, not always, um, you know, seeking uh, necessarily a, a, a revenue or seeking an increase on the business, but uh, actually, you know, doing an honest, I'll say, assessment of what are the opportunities, and, and that is really key. That's been something that's attracted me to HashMap and has kept me here for, gosh, three years uh, and counting, right? Is that I'm never in a position where I have to just recommend a tool or an approach to a client that would maybe be good for us in the short term, but is bad for that client. I can always give a legitimate, good faith uh, recommendation for an architecture or an approach that is going to be best for the client. And maybe month to month, right, we might not be able to, to I don't know, sell five additional consultants, but long term over the course of five years, 10 years with a client, uh, we can build a much richer relationship. So I, I, there are companies who I think do that kind of consulting approach where they're really just looking for the short term, throw people on something, even if it's not the right fit for a client. Um, and I think that's a valid way to do business, sure, but it's just not the way I would prefer to do it, and I really like that about HashMap. So uh, moving next, if you had to go back uh, and either receive advice um, or give advice to yourself, what would be that kind of advice you wish you had or that piece of knowledge you wish you had earlier on in your career? The, the, the advice that I always uh, value tremendously is when uh, – you're dealing with a tough situation and some someone comes in and gives you a totally opposite uh, view of the situation meaning um you know asking for example have you thought about the other side of uh the the problem have you thought about the problem in terms of an opportunity have you thought about 
a different way to approach the problem, a different way to solve the problem. Like, for example, have you thought about this, 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 and this? Uh, so, in terms of the uh, in terms of advice, uh, I for me, it's always been amazingly uh, good when I have uh, leaders that I do report to that are my my supervisors or my stakeholders, and they they present a situation in a totally different way than what I was thinking. Uh, it gets my mind thinking. Uh, it, it, it does accelerate, I'll say, my, uh, my ideas in, in the process that, that I follow in order to come out with solutions. So I think that is, um, that is something that I value a lot, is the, the dialogue and the conversation. I said before, empathy, and I think the empathy needs to go both ways, right, in order to really be productive. Uh, so I think that is number one. Uh, in terms of advice to others that, uh, that I would like to give is, um, I think, uh, focus in, uh, in, in, in a, a positive attitude to uh, life is, is important. You know, I think uh, every, every time we deal with uh, an adverse situation, uh, there is two potential ways to go about it, right? One is you basically say, okay, this is what is happening and, and uh, it is happening and you just stay there, right? Second aspect is you think about it, okay, how can I solve it? How can I go about it? What can I do in order to, you know, solve the situation in which we are and, and stay focused and, and have a lot of perseverance uh, about uh, going into one direction. Obviously, at some point you need to reset and say, well, it didn't work, right? <laughs> and so... Uh, in some, some specific situations, if, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And so you abort and you take a different strategy or you take a different uh, path uh, to uh, deal with the same situation. But I think those two things is, you know, focus is, is very important uh, from my perspective. That uh, is professionally speaking and, and from, uh, from a personal perspective as well. Yeah, I think that is fantastic advice, especially now, right? Um, Ivan, Thank you so much for joining us today. I think that's a great note to end the podcast on. Randy, thanks a lot. Uh, very nice uh, speaking to you and uh, hope to see you soon. Absolutely. And of course, to the audience, thank you for listening. Please subscribe for more HashMap on Tap content and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to HashMap on Tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap ONTAP page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.